I'm Erin from the Ninja Consultant Podcast, and I'm doing Manga Recon Volume 3, where Allison is going to read the manga. My voice sounds so loud in my own head. Allison will be reading these manga reviews in an effort to make them sound more dramatic, with some success. Alright, so, Manga Recon Volume 3. Alright, this week we're doing DramaCon Volume 1, Comic Party Volume 4, Brother Volume 1, and... The Young Magician, Volume 1. First we have Dramacon, Volume 1. Buzz score of B. Who would, like this mo- who would like this book? Manga fans who've never been to an anime convention. Who would hate it? Seasoned con-goers and also my boyfriend. Well, I'd like to point out that in this case especially, we are talking about Aaron's boyfriend. Noah. My boyfriend would probably like this book. He's only been to one con. My first reaction to DramaCon was, why are these characters acting like retards? Oh yeah, they're in high school. DramaCon is not technically manga. The author, Svetlana Svetlana Chmakova? Who knows? I'm gonna pretend like it's Svetlana Chmakova. Is a Russian-born Canadian. Normally I wouldn't sink to reading Tokyo Pop's so-called world manga titles, for example, Peach Fuzz, because I don't really care much for non-Japanese manga. But I had to read DramaCon because the entire series takes place at an anime convention in North America. I love anime conventions! I've been to like a dozen of them in the past four years. I couldn't not read DramaCon. Here are my personal rules for anime conventions. 1. Book your hotel room early. 2. Pre-register. 3. Never start a romantic relationship at a large convention. The protagonist of DramaCon, Christy, and her boyfriend, Derek, are a terrible couple. If they were real people, I would not let them share my hotel room in a con. Derek immediately begins flirting with other girls, right in front of Christy. He only stops being a total jerk a couple of times over the course of the book, and even then, it's not really believable. My boyfriend loathed DramaCon because Derek was such a non-stop jerk from page one. There might have been, there must have been a time when Christy got along with Derek, and I think a flashback to the effect would have helped a lot. Otherwise, it makes Christy look like a frickin' retard for ever having dated him in the first place. Christy meets a cosplayer named Matt and cries on his shoulder about Derek and how mean he is, yada yada yada. Christy falls for Matt almost immediately, breaking my third rule of anime conventions! If the convention in DramaCon was a small, local convention with only a few hundred people, I could probably forgive Christy's indiscretion. But when it comes to large conventions, people drive across several states drive across several states, or even fly across the country to get there. Starting anything with anyone at a large convention is bound to end in either a one-night stand or a troublesome long-distance relationship. I strongly disapprove of both one-night stands and long-distance relationships. I'll spare you the spoilers and not give away how DramaCon ends, but I will hint that Christy is not skanky enough to have a one-night stand. She's a very sweet young girl. The art of DramaCon is very nice. It seems as if the manga's style comes naturally to Svetlana. And when the characters turn super deformed, it doesn't seem forced as it does in some anime manga imitators' works, for example, season one of Teen Titans. I am pleased with the character design for the most part, although I think Matt should be a lot hotter. He's good looking, but you kinda have to take Christie's word for it when she says how super hot he is. As a manga character, his potential for hotness is unlimited. I regret that it's probably too late to tell Svetlana not to use so much tone in the next volume. It'd probably save her a lot of work. So so why wouldn't you like DramaCon if you were a seasoned con-goer? It's because DramaCon does not accurately or adequately portray the convention experience. 
My first time in an anime convention was nothing like Christie's, nor was my first time in artist alley as bewildering as hers. Where was the euphoric feeling of belonging that I experienced? Where was the joy of seeing cosplayers dressed as one's favorite characters? Where was the fun of being in artist alley? It seems as if Christie only likes Pocky and wearing cat ear hats, and she's not actually an anime fan. Genshiken is a much better portrayal of the joy of going to conventions. I can't wait for the next issue of Genshiken. But Genshiken is about Japanese otaku. Only DramaCon has the potential of sharing a story about the American otaku experience. And so for now, I hold out hope. <laughs> uh, but not enough to give it a better score. Anyway. Um, next. I'd like to add that I can't emphasize enough that I really want everyone to read DramaCon so we can all debate it endlessly. Like, sure, it's only a B, but it's something I want everyone to read so we can complain about it. Next we have Comic Party Volume 4, which earned a buzz score of C+. Who would like this book? Hardcore Comic Party fans. Who would hate it? People looking for serious philosophical manga with deep meaning, or anyone looking to kill more than a half an hour reading, or indeed, anyone hoping for an accurate portrayal of Comic Cat. For those of you not familiar with Comic Party, the plot centers around a fictional manga convention called Comic Party, or Kamipa, which is an obvious parody of the real convention, Comic Market, also known as Comic Cat. Comic Party is a far cry from the real Comic Head, insomuch as Comic Head is filled with largely pornographic dejenshi, whereas Comic Party seems free from any kind of erotica. For a more realistic look at Comic Head, read Genshiken. Have you noticed the plugging of Genshiken? Genshiken. Oh my god, Genshiken. The next volume comes out soon. It's so fun. I already have volume 3, and it's yeah. awesome! Ah, oh, it's great. Anyhow, and also Cruising the Anime City, an otaku guide to Neo-Tokyo by Patrick Macias and Tomohiro Machiyama. The latter isn't manga, but it's a really good book about otaku. Um, after reading the first volume of Comic Party and seeing a couple episodes of the anime series, I was fooled into buying all of the Comic Party manga I could get my hands on. I convinced at least one friend to do the same. By volume 4, however, I seriously regret this purchasing decision, although I'm glad that I was not fooled into buying the anime box set, not even when it was massively on sale. The first chapter of volume 1 of Comic Party is really great. The art is innovative, the jokes are funny, and interesting characters get introduced. Unfortunately, the story and artwork go downhill after that first chapter. The sketchiness and varying line weights that drew me in are totally gone by halfway through book one. The art in the rest of the series is really good, but not nearly as interesting as it was at the start. Volume 2 of Comic Party was enough to convince me to buy Volume 3, although I was losing hope. Volume 2 opens with a really cute story about Chisa, the girl who works at the print shop. After that, the worst plot arc ever begins. It's Subaru's story. If Subaru was only a background character, it wouldn't bother me, but instead her annoying Kami Rangers arc takes up like half of volumes 2 and 3. She turns the rest of the crew into Power Ranger-style team who set out to save Kami Paw from the terrorist. It's really annoying. The second half of volume 3 improves slightly when the protagonist, Kazuki, gets his girlfriend to cosplay in order to boost the sales of his comic. She learns the true meaning of cosplay, and it's all very touching and somewhat true to life. Volume 4 gets off to a weak start, as Kazuki helps out a struggling voice actress who's performing at a school festival. The voice actress gets stage fright, flips out, and flees the auditorium. Kazuki's kind yet predictable words of encouragement bring her back to the stage. There's an incredibly similar story in Here is Greenwood, which was equally annoying, implausible, and sidetracking as it is in Comic Party. Maybe in Japan these sorts of pop idol shenanigans happen every day, but here in America it all seems unlikely and kinda weird. 
The second half of Volume 4 greatly improves as Kazuki meets my second favorite character in the Comic Party franchise, Aya Hasebe. I'm going to pretend like okay. that's how you say it. Aya Hasebe, my first favorite character is Comrade Taishi. Hasebe is an introverted art supply store employee whose original Dijinshi are all very well drawn, but don't appeal to a wide enough audience to sell many copies. Since Hasebe is so shy, she has problems marketing herself and her work. Kazuki appreciates Hasebe's artistic merit, but, but best-selling Amy mocks her mercilessly. This is by far the most interesting conflict in all of Comic Party. All artists, no matter what their medium, must work toward a balance of drawing for themselves and a paying audience. The alternative is to end up like Hasebe, selling at a sitting at a table full of wonderful work which will never be seen or read. For a similar tale of artistic merit and commercial interest, watch Animation Runner Kuromi 2. It's a 45-minute OEV. You should also go watch the first Animation Runner Kuromi while you're at it. It's cheap, it's good, and it gives you a really awesome behind-the-scenes look at animation industry in Japan. Instead of waiting through volumes 2 and 3 of Comic Party as released by Tokyopop, you should check out the Central Park Media release of Comic Party. The first volume is called Party Time. Rather than stories by Sekihiro, Sekihiko Inui, the CPM release is an anthology of actual indie comic artists. There's no continuous storyline, instead each chapter is a short self-contained story. Some of them are pretty good, although others are not, and the art is wildly inconsistent. Chances are you'll find something you like among the inconsistencies, whereas luck is not on your side in the Tokyo Pop release. Next up is Brother Volume 1, which earned a buzz score of A-. Who would like this book? Yaoi fans. Girls who are open-minded. Guys who are really open-minded. Who would hate it? Anyone uncomfortable with homosexuality and or full frontal male nudity. That's right. Full frontal male nudity. First off, this is adult reading. I'm not kidding. I'd let a 17-year-old read Lady Snowblood, which I reviewed last month, but you kids should really be 18 and up for this one. I am serious. If you're shopping in Midtown Comics, you might have to go upstairs, if you know what I mean. Second, I'd like to point out here that I'm not the biggest yaoi fan. One could say I'm not much of a yaoi reader at all. Sure, I've glanced through a few art portfolios at conventions marked 18 and up, but it always made me feel kind of uncomfortable to see Harry and Draco totally naked and making out with Roy Mustang and Colonel Hughes. Keep those pants on, boys! Brother is the first release by a very small publishing company called Drama Queen. It's really great for a first release. The paper quality is excellent, the printing job is well done, the sound effects are fully translated, and best of all, the book comes with a cute dust jacket just like Japanese releases of manga. The artwork of Brother is really superb. The backgrounds are well rendered, the character design is excellent, and naturally, the guys are super hot. However, the close attention to anatomical detail might make you a little bit squeamish. I was weirded out just flipping through it, to be honest. There's quite a bit of nudity. You should probably read this at home, and not on mass transit. The only reason I gave Brother an A- was because of the somewhat cliched plot. 
<laughs> it's a step-sibling love story. Nothing says loving like living with your parents. Asuka and Yui... Is that right? Yeah. yeah that sounds like a girl name. Yeah, oh, well. yeah it's true. Asuka and Yui sneak around sleeping with each other, but fortunately there's more to the story. For the first chapter or two, Asuka describes his impotence problems. <laughs> For the first chapter or two, Asuka describes his exciting impotence problem and how it was caused by his stepbrother Yui. Yui reveals that he avoided speaking to Asuka for a span of several years because he was incredibly, uncom- was incredibly uncomfortable with his newfound sexual preference. I can buy all that. Although it's a bit weird how Yui is still in high school and Asuka is working, and Asuka is a working twenty-something living at home. As a twenty-something myself, I tend to seriously avoid high schoolers as potential romantic partners, even legal ones. In a theoretical way. In a theoretical way. After the exposition is completely revealed, the last half of the book is very sweet. Asuka starts to wonder if he's more in love with Yui than vice versa. It's a feeling we've all had, even in the most ordinary heterosexual, non-step family relationships. Overall, let's say that if you're Yaoi curious, brother is a great place to start. I would disagree with you there. If you're Yaoi curious, you should not start with a book that has bouncing penises in it. <laughs> Last of all, we have The Young Magician, which, or, which earns a buzz score of C-. Who would like this book? Experimental filmmakers. Who would hate it? Anyone expecting any kind of cohesive narrative. I'm not gonna lie to you. I bought The Young Magician because it was shrink-wrapped. Well, that and it's called The Young Magician. The cover has a creepy green demon hand pulling at the collar of a cute guy, so I figured it might be, you know, like a twisted, sexy Harry Potter type thing. I was so totally wrong. The Young Magician is shrink-wrapped for a good reason, but that reason is not sexiness. There are horrible, bloody, violent scenes of evisceration sprinkled throughout this book, and the afterward, the author swears that this is not a horror manga, but you could have fooled me. Remember that episode of Star Trek, the original series, where Jack the Ripper is a ghost in the future possessing people? The Young Magician is kind of like that. All of Volume 1 takes place in Hong Kong, where Jack the Ripper-style killings are causing a sensation among the locals. Enter Carno, the so-called Young Magician, who supposedly just returned from another dimension, according to the back cover, although this is not adequately explained in the manga, where he was training with other aeromancers. Carno will surely stop these gruesome serial killings! If it had turned out to be Jack the Ripper, my opinion of this book would be even lower. Fortunately, it's not Jack, but just some rival magician who wants to read the future using human, entra- using human entrails and the obscure art of anthropomancy. That's revealed about one-third of the way through, so I don't consider it a spoiler. The rest of the book involves a live-in Filipino nanny, an aeromancer girl named Rosalite. Rosalie? Rosalie? I don't know. I don't know. An aeromancer girl named Rosalie, a hurricane, and Carno's backstory. The Young Magician was really hard to follow. I had to reread several pages to understand what was going on, and in the end, the repetition at the beginning of several chapters helped me get a grasp on the plot. Even then, I had to turn to the back cover to to write a coherent summary. The plot of The Young Magician is not overly complicated. There aren't too many words per page, and it is not terribly dense as manga goes. I think it may have been strange panel layouts and the often abstract images that added to my confusion. The art itself was alright, and at times fairly original. Particularly toward the end, there are some cool visuals involving a ghostly dragon. However, the later chapters of this book are marred by a horribly written section explaining the biology of magic. The author laments in the afterword that she doesn't know about magic or biology, and that comes across painfully in the text. 
This wasn't as bad as Pieces of a Spiral, which I reviewed in September. Pieces of a Spiral seems to have set my standard for bad manga in this column, although I'm sure I've read worse. The Young Magician can almost be redeemed by its afterword. In only three pages, the author is incredibly endearing and reveals a lot of useful information about the manga, like how it's not supposed to be horror, and there's another protagonist who does not appear in Volume 1. The author is so endearing I might read Volume 2. I just hope there's another afterword. That the name of the Star Trek episode in question is Wolf in the Fold, where, according to my brother, <laughs> they go to a prostitute planet, and some girl who Scotty's <laughs> some girl who Scotty's hooked up with ends up getting killed. So yes, you might remember that episode, or not, if the people listening to this and possibly reading this on Buzzscope were actually fourteen. Dude, Scotty got play. I don't remember Scotty getting any play. That's right, because the girl got killed first. Dude, see, I don't. I never watched a lot of the original series, but I always figured Scotty was the one who never got any play. Well, that's accurate. There's also another episode where he has a girlfriend, but she's getting these horrible migraines because of these flashing lights, which are actually aliens. 